0: Welcome back to the Devin Kershaw Show. I'm Nat hers with Faster Skier. Today was relay day for the men. We saw Russia walking away with it, winning comfortably enough time to wave their Russian Olympic Committee flag across the line. France and Norway in a little bit of a sprint for the silver medal, which Norway took, but still treated like it was a lump of coal. We'll get into it in a minute. We'll be back after this message. This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport the industry-leading resource for cross-country skiing equipment, waxing, stone grinding, and hand-selected skis. If you're looking to tour at a local park, finish your 15th Berkey in style, or aiming for the next Olympic team, Boulder Nordic Sports' passionate staff can help you get the perfect gear for your cross-country skiing experience. Visit bouldernordic.com to shop one of the biggest selections of ski gear in the country and download a digital copy of the annual BNS magazine. Check out the Boulder Nordic YouTube channel for extensive waxing how-tos. Ski inventory is challenging this season, but Boulder Nordic Sport is receiving new gear every week, including the new floor-free race waxes from Holman Cole and Roadie. Check out your options at bouldernordic.com.
1: Kind of a subdued vibe, and I'm sorry, I know I shouldn't be subdued, but sometimes uh, men's distance skiing just leaves me in this like melancholy mood. And, and it has nothing to do with the performance that Russia did. Russia did everything right. They were the strongest team on paper um, and they just came out and delivered. So congratulations to Russia. Everyone skied great legs. Um, there was some storylines before the race happened, of course, like the weather, we finally saw some snow for the first time in like 20 years Dude, or something up in, up in the high like, desert. Can you the yeah, out there? Like, yeah it's look nuts. at that, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, so there was a storyline there. Of course, the Norwegians made a controversial call by putting Emil Iverson in fresh, hasn't raced at the Olympics, hasn't raced since, since the tour de ski where things were just not working whatsoever. Emil Iverson has had a really terrible year and a lot of controversy putting him in. And then of course, halfway through that race the weak link was Emma Leverson and the race was over and Russia just kind of skied away from it. So it was, it was hard to stay motivated to watch, uh, to watch this one. Cause each, I don't know if you noticed this, but each 10 K was taking like 30 minutes. Man. Like when's yeah, the last I mean, time you see a 10 K take 30 minutes for the men? Never. It's never that slow. So that added when, to the When point-
0: I, when I ski 10 K, that's how long I see. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking to the guy that like, you know, I was waiting on like, I went out there and I was like, is Luke Jager going to come through the mix zone? And I'm like texting with the attache and he's not getting back to me. And I'm like, well, I guess I'm just going to stand here and hang out for two hours in the cold. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm at the Olympics. I can't complain, but it, yeah, it's like, you know, we were all just kind of standing there getting getting, uh getting snowed on and hanging out. Um, yeah. Watching and, 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 various skiers.
1: Yeah, I know exactly. And so the thing is with this is like, Like we've been talking about for years now, men's skiing has become Russia versus Norway. And that's just how it's become in distance. And it's too bad because yeah, it is a storyline like everyone loves instead of a David versus Goliath, it's just two, two Goliaths out there smashing each other, which is, which is something it is. But when one of the Goliaths becomes a David and then not even a David, but David's cousins, brothers, buddy, Johnny, And it's just getting smashed uh, right from the word go. It just doesn't leave much to be desired. It's just not exciting TV. It's it's It just wasn't a great, yeah, it just wasn't, like especially like the high of yesterday's relay with the women. Everything was going yeah. right with the women's relay yesterday. Great storylines, great action in the race. People were skiing well, some movements and surprises. And today, no surprises whatsoever. Anyone that follows the sport had to have realized that with Kruger, out with COVID and the way the Norwegian men have been skiing in the distance races that Russia was going to take this unless there was something, something crazy happening. And then in the end, uh, that's exactly how it played out. And uh, I have to give my, like, I I thought Chervotkin skied a beautiful leg. He, his technique was great. He's in good shape. And Chervotkin was the one pseudo weak link of this Russian team. Uh, not after his 15k performance earlier he, he, he skied a wonderful 15k classic to come fifth but prior to that he had a couple months where things just weren't working well he was great in ruka and then he just kind of fell apart and he came he came here and, and the skiathlon was a disaster and then and then to just distance himself so easily from these guys was um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but, but he did it in such a way that he obviously had a great leg and that just put the nail in the coffin for the excitement. Everyone at home is like, well, man, can we watch the GS? Cause there's a lot of guys skiing out there. Can we watch or just start making breakfast and something if, in Europe? And so get ready for the bath on, which has at least got some excitement. So, um, no, it was, uh, it, it was a weird one. I thought it's, uh, <laughs> that's just how it is.
0: I mean, I, I think first of all, um, I, I think we can really offer a little bit of gratitude to France and, and Sweden a little bit for keeping, you know, things interesting at the back. And and we can talk about that, that in, in a second, maybe. But, um, you know, I, I talked to the Norwegian men's coach, Derek, Eric Nossam, after the race. And, you know, I was sort of like, look, you know, lots of questioning in Norway and even here everywhere, Devin Kershaw, um, you know, about whether – you know, you guys should have started Everson, you know, should you have started Valness? and, and, you know, asked him basically, was this the best you guys could have done? Or, you know, was, was, are you guys thinking in retrospect, you know, you should have done something different. And he was kind of just like, you know, Trevach and skiing the way he was like cats off to him, you know, there really wasn't, anything we were going to be able to do today. And I mean, we talked about this yesterday. I mean, you know, you add Kruger in there. I mean, is Kruger a stronger skater? I mean, I don't really know if that changes yeah, the dynamic of that classic leg much if, if, if he's here instead of Everson. but um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I was kind of watching that first leg and, and thinking like, you know, is Travokin about to dig himself into a hole and blow up and, and you know, is, is, is are they just kind of letting him, letting him dangle out there but you know as as soon as it sort of becomes clear that that that's really not what's going on it is it it is it just kind of does sap the race of its, its drama and you know i mean it also i was also surprised to see that um you know you would have thought that he basically in a blizzard and you know wasn't doing quite what it's like I'm looking out the window right now like this is the craziest snowstorm that I've seen in a while it's kind of ramped up but like you would have thought that like you know for him to get off the front and basically be plowing in the track for everyone that that you know would not have been a thing that he would have been able to do Starting starting at like 5k but also the the you know course folks here had it looked like multiple groups of, um, forerunners. So they were, they were kind of skiing in the track sort of all throughout the race, not just sort of one time throughout, not just one time before the race went off and, you know, we're skiing, they're skiing on a 3k loop. So I think that didn't end up being as much of a factor as it, it might've been, but I actually just sort of thought that that was a surprise that it didn't, you know, it just didn't seem to be more, more of a, factor i mean it's like they probably would just skiing on extra blue today given given the (laughs) the temperature you know yeah exactly and
1: it's just yeah and it's really dry and cold so but here's the thing too with chervatkin which i think is is important to mention it was a man amongst boys really i mean chervatkin on the first leg he was far and away the favorite if you didn't think he was going to put massive time into the field you haven't been following men skiing enough and the disappointment of the day was Everson. You know, there was a lot of question marks. And then he gets beat by not only Pellegrino, who is a sprinter. I know Pellegrino has been top 15 once in a while. But you've got to remember, Emil Iverson has dozens of World Cup podiums. He's the reigning 50K world champion in Classic. And he's good in terrible weather conditions as well. I know in Linsahida he ski to a 59th place finish in a snowstorm, but that was an outlier. Like his real breakthrough of his career really happened in the, in the tour of Canada, in the East, in, in Montreal. If you guys want to go back and see just horrendous conditions, go check out that one. And Emmett Leverson, yeah, he, he does well in this uh, challenging conditions normally, but he gets beat by Brugger. He gets beat by Pellegrino on the leg. And that is just unacceptable when you're the Norwegian ski team. And, and it doesn't just put them on the back foot. It, it chops off both feet. And there was nothing really Paul could do. There was nothing really Holen could do, and and the race for gold was as good as done. What I will say though, what I will say is like so. Nossum says there's nothing else he could have done, and as a team leader, and I, I hate to give it to him, but but in the current situation with Kruger out, Valnes or or uh, Emma Leverson, I think the damage is kind of done. Do I think Valnes? Do I think Valnes could have skied away, or not skied away, but come into the stadium at least with with, um, Italy and and Germany? Yes, I do. Do I think he could have been just ahead by like a few seconds? Yeah, probably. But that doesn't change the outcome of this one. So in in that regard, Nossum is right. But uh, on the other side of the coin, the fact that Norway finds himself in this position um, is is a bit shocking, but it just hasn't been their championship. It hasn't been Norway's championship. They're not ready. They're not prepared for, for high altitude. And compared to their competition, and it's showing. But what I will say is, there was some storylines that were, you know, pseudo exciting. I was on. I was working with Norwegian TV this morning during the race and before the race. I wrote off Sweden completely because Sweden has been just an abomination uh, compared to their <laughs> compared to their high points, which is essentially every single championship going back to the 1920s. But Poroma delivers a absolutely fantastic 10K classic, just phenomenal. And Jens Berman, who is coming back, we, we forgot to mention this the other time, but he's become like kind of a YouTuber, which is kind of weird because like when I watch his YouTube videos, nothing Jens Berman and he does a good production and stuff, but I'm a dork and I'm like, oh God, this is just too well, dorky for me to really care. Um, but But he, before you jump in, he has, he's had two prolapses in his back. The fact that he's even at the Olympics at all is a huge win. The fact that he has an eighth place in the 15K Classic a couple of days ago, and then Berman's race today was fantastic. And the fact that Sweden was in the, in, the, in the fight for the medals almost the whole way, where a sprinter, you leave a sprinter out there on the last lap against Magnifica, lap, sorry, last 10K against Magnifica, and I thought Hogsdenham did pretty darn good to hang in there as well as he did. And and fourth place for Sweden, I never would have saw this coming into the coming into the Olympics. I thought no chance Sweden would be top six even.
0: Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was awesome to watch. And, and, you know, seeing Berman in there and, you know, knowing that he was eighth in that race the other day and just, you know like i actually you know i mean i thought um i was sort of expecting goldberg to be able to to pull away and he just couldn't and, and it was you know it made for a made for more drama and and i'm gonna put in a plug here because i was unaware of jens berman's uh vlog but then uh i read something that i just thought was like uh, too much fun of a story to leave on the table which was Jens Berman uh, and his vlog went viral in China. He arrived at the Olympic Village and he uh, made a vlog where, among other things, he sampled some uh, some local Chinese snacks. He sampled a, a Swiss roll, a strawberry Swiss roll. He sampled some uh, uh, Power Puffs or Power Something for Life, which is the most bizarre name for a snack ever. And then, and then he... Uh, <laughs> Sampled some waffles and uh, he's you know just uh, making some comments about these snacks, saying that the uh, you know waffles are not like the waffles he's he used to. Not that impressed, but definitely down with the Swiss roll. And then someone on uh, Chinese uh, social video platform Bilibili uh, pulls this clip out, posts it, and the Swedish media were saying it got like four million views, which. I also think it's funny that the Chinese volunteers here were like, "Oh, four million views—that's, you know, that's not so impressive." <laughs> yeah, I, only, that's a- I, I, I only found like uh, five hundred thousand, but I, I actually wrote it up. Um, you can read the story about this on FasterSkier.com. I talked to the ends. I talked to uh, the columnist that wrote it up and 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 who also coined the term Burmania, uh, which I thought was <laughs> you know pretty nice. funny. So you know, like if you want a little trivia on the guy that you know, really delivered a, a solid, uh, second leg in the relay, um, read about Jens Berman. Um, I don't know if there's that much more to say about the race uh, sort of as it unfolded. I, I, I want to, um, just sort of observing kind of the dynamics of cross-country skiing and sort of the packing order, like just the one piece of really sort of, I think, Useful information I can offer from this blizzard today, where I'm just kind of chilled out up in the mix zone is so you know, Russia comes across the finish line, epic freak out, you know, hip hip hoorays like going off for like 10 minutes. Elena Vialbe literally is like doing a jig as they get oh up, God. as that team gets up on, on the podium. Yeah, she's like, doing I would have paid money now.
1: to see that. I would have, I would have, I would have paid money to see that. Yeah. yeah.
0: It was good, and then, um, and then, and then, you know, Norway. You've got Klaibo winning the sprint for second place, and it's like someone died on the Norwegian team, silver medal, and and they're just, you know, they're they're just like it's, they're in mourning. It's a funeral, and then behind, uh, behind Johannes Klaibo, like Maurice Magnificat is celebrating like he just fucking won the Olympics, you know, and, and <laughs> so it's like this epic contrast. Like the whole team, it's like a pig pile basically, and like. They're having this epic freak out for a bronze medal that, you know, I don't think they necessarily expected. And even though Norway finishes ahead of them, I mean, this isn't this isn't news to anyone that follows cross-country seeing, right? Like, I mean, obviously Norway's expectations were much higher, Francis's were much lower, but it, it really it just like it was such like a stark contrast that you could just sort of watch unfolding in front of you and and you know even in this press conference it was like it, it, the, the norwegians it was it was just like it was, it was like somebody died and like you know I, I totally understand the expectations on them and the fact that this is such a failure but like you know you want to you still want a silver medal and we got this email from this reader who was like you know Kleibus should be ejected from the olympics for skipping the, the the celebratory podium photo it's like it it is uh I don't know. I mean, it's such a Norwegian thing to be in, in national mourning for your silver medal at cross country. Yeah.
1: Especially in the men's relay, especially in the men's relay, like we talked about in the women's side of things, like why is the relay so important for a championship for all these countries? Cause it's the one time a year that you can really, when all the eyeballs are on you, it's the flex. It's like, we are the best ski nation in the world. Yeah you other nations can have one or two good skiers here and there on the world cup, even in the overall world cup standings. But when it comes to putting together four in both disciplines, classic and skate, like sit your ass down. You ain't nothing compared to us. And the fact of the matter is Russia wiped the floor with them today. Like you said, and we all witnessed that. And, and here's what I'll say about that. Like I I was really disappointed that, uh, wasn't in, in the finishing photo. Like, like to be perfectly honest, but this is the thing in Norway that is outrageous. And we've talked about it before. Who are the athletes that run through the mix zone when they have a bad day and have a sad it's Norway and, and I'm North American. So I just come at it from like hockey. I grew up with hockey culture, NBA, you know, you, and NFL, like a guy throws like three picks, like Brett Favre throws three picks in like the, in the, in the Super Bowl or something. And like, he's got to stand right in it and he's just got to answer it. He's just got to take it. He's got to take the heat. I thought, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just such a huge sport dork. So I follow all these sports really closely. Like look at how Michaela Schifrin has handled these Olympics. Okay. She was the, the darling of these games, the Alpine skier from the U S on the cover of every magazine and NBC's golden darling. And, and she skied out in the slalom. She skied out in the, in the GS. And then her super G yeah, she made it down the hill, but she was nine. And, and, but she's been so gracious in answering and talking and, and just standing up in it. And in Norway, I don't understand why the media, the Norwegian journalists let these guys do this. Like you're in a tiny sport internationally, and then you have a bad day and you have a little sad, like you're in freaking like preschool, like stand up in it and playbo, I understand you're disappointed. I get it. You, you came here for gold. You're the defending champions. Um, you're pissed. You have other races, you know, he has the team sprint coming up, but don't kid yourself. Bolshinov also has the team sprint coming up. A lot of those guys have big races coming up. Spitzoff is a, is a favorite to take a medal in the 50 K at the end of this thing. You got to honor your competition as well. And the fact that he is missing from those team photos while he shouldn't be thrown out of the Olympics, uh, the Norwegian leadership needs to get a handle on these guys and, and make them understand that like, Yes, your job is to perform well on the tracks and, and, and do well. But, but a other part of your job that is very important is to be a good ambassador for the sport and be professional and skipping, skipping the medal, not the medal ceremony, thank God, but, but skipping the, the finishing photos is just a straight up bad act. And. There's no excuse, and I don't care. I I read on, I read in the media that's like, oh, well, you know, I just finished. I've got other races. I don't want to get sick. I want to get changed. But you know what? Manifica just finished that race. He wants to get changed. I saw that um, that Ustugav put a warm up jacket on, you know, and he, yeah, he was a minute ahead of Klebo. But it's not like he beat Klebo by ten minutes to have so much time to like get himself together for this photo. You've got to honor your competition that just smashed you. And if they don't want to celebrate and they don't want to jump and yell and go like woo for a silver medal, you also have to understand that Norway comes here for gold. They're incredibly disappointed. So I, I don't react that they're sullen and they're sad to come second. That doesn't bother me, but Klebo missing that finishing photo, it's completely unacceptable. And I think what's worse is that they don't, they, it just keeps happening. Like, the leadership has to be able to step in and, and educate these guys that like, I know you're bummed. You tell the organizers that are going to take the photo. We need two minutes. Johannes has to change his shirt. They'll wait. They will wait. It's, it's no big deal. And, and, and uh, the and, fact that they didn't, it's it's not good. It's not good for the sport and the sport's already tiny. And then we all witnessed two hours of like watching paint dry. This race sucks. Like I'm watching a bath on I'm talking to you. It's awesome. It's windy. There's missing guys are spraying bullets all over town. Like the the lead is changing, not so much in this men's race here that's happening. But there's stuff happening, and cross country skiing has to compete with sports like this. And when you act like an ass at the end, it's not helping your cause. It's not.
0: Well, well, thank God we have uh, we have Devin Kershaw to to keep uh, cross country ski fans in, in engaged in what's going on here. I, I will also just add to that. Um, Clibo showed up, uh, late to the press conference, Everson, unless I'm making a mistake here, which I don't think I am. Everson didn't even show up to the press conference at all. Silver medalist, like, you know, just like screw it, I guess. Um, so yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, it's, 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 uh, you know, I mean, the coaches, uh, did a little better job with that. I mean, they're still showing up, but but, you know, they took some time for me and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of field the questions, but I mean, I totally agree. And that's a totally separate thing in a way. I mean, and I also, I mean, it's. I, I, you can kind of see these cracks just going on in the past few days with the Norwegians team. I mean, all this kind of public acrimony around Everson not getting the start in the 15 K and you've got kind of like, you know, I, I'm reading some stuff and I don't know that I totally understand the dynamics, but it's kind of like, you know, it seems like the coaches and the team managers are like pointing fingers at each other. And it's like, they're really not like presenting a United front at all and don't just don't seem to kind of have a a good kind of cohesiveness to to the team right now. And I mean, it's sort of like obvious maybe why not, but I think, you know, it also maybe is speaking to like, you know, you have to wonder, like, is this kind of a contributing factor somehow that like, you know, that just doesn't seem like everything is, is like dialed in to have like, you know, your, your athletes and your coaches and your managers kind of like, publicly sniping at each other like in the media like in the middle of the biggest event in in four years like i've got to be really you know someone at the norwegian ski federation has got to be like really questioning just sort of the day-to-day leadership of the team at this point you know beyond just the results at this point
1: yeah no and i I i have to agree with you and i think paul goldberg was out in the norwegian media and i I, he seems like a real level head here during this championship like he, he criticized emil everson for going out in the media it's like we're in the middle of an olympics like i am and he he respected he thanked emil everson be like i understand it has nothing to do with your teammates but still this is like noise we just don't need to deal with right now and then also today at the end of the relay he also went out in the media and, and after his race and been like oh my god like no matter what, it's like, if we win, there's something wrong. We're destroying the sport. When we lose, it's a national day of mourning. Like you said, like, listen, we're all just trying to go out here and do the best we can. And I think I have a ton of respect for Paul Goldberg, who's taking a leadership role in this, in this championship and, and being that level head that the team needs because Klebo is (laughs) such a legend and, and so good, but, but when he acts like he acted, here at the relay by missing that photo and then being kind of like flippant that like well I, need, I have other races I need to get like changed it's like it's it's just not becoming of a team leader. So thank God they have Paul that's uh, taking that role but I agree with you and in the staff, they have to understand like in the 10k classic you uh, behind Therese Yohag their best result was 21st in the women's 10k classic. and then in the men you have guys like Valness, who's been top 5 in a number of 15k classics he's he's adrift 212 back in 15th and and the leadership just has to be able to field these questions and it seems to me that they're not able to do this at at the at the proper level and it's not the time for this kind of like leadership meltdown like you're talking about i agree and i hope that they look at this but one other thing i want to say is like this, this is a big deal in Norway because it's their national sport and they're not performing to their best. And also, there's a, they're in competition with these other winter sports too, right? Like bathlon. Marta Oldsblue-Reisland just won her, her third gold medal of the championships uh, in the pursuit today. Uh, Johannes tingmes is is uh, fighting for, for medals with Bo today in the, in the pursuit, and they're winning a lot of medals in bathlon. And in cross-country, it's just like not going their way, and I get it. But you, you have to just understand through it all, they had a strategy, their strategy paid huge dividends. I'm talking on the men's team here for, for Norway in the world championships in Seyfeld and in the world championships last year in Oberstorf, there's six men's medals in each of those championships, 12 total. Norway has 11 of the 12 gold medals. So they dominated these, these races, these championships at low altitude at the expense of coming here and being ready. And I I just don't understand that like, we can't just be honest and be like, you know what? For the Olympic games, it's showing now that we're just not as ready as we have been for the last two championships, but that was a conscious decision we made. We took a risk and it's not playing out in their favor now. And luckily next year's world championships are in Polinica. Then it's in Trondheim. Then we're in Val for the, the, the Olympics cross-country venue is going to be a valdefiam which isn't altitude either so uh the norwegian fans will have lots to cheer for in the future but i agree with you right now it's uh it, it's creating such a distraction but the athletes themselves have to be more professional and they should watch more professional sports themselves i, I just like I, I just keep coming back to it i just i can't see Connor mcdavid like just like pushing journalists out of the way and running into the locker room jumping in a car and driving away in the nhl It this is just something that doesn't happen and like imagine you saw some of the biggest nba superstars like harnett or like you know or yeah lebron essentially just being like a schoolboy bitch about this like you'd never see this and i think they gotta get they gotta get a little more professional even when they're doing bad or not bad they're not even doing bad but even when they're underperforming
0: yeah um yeah i i don't disagree um I'm going to throw a couple other observations out there um, just, just randomly um, things that, that I think are interesting. Um, Niskanen absolutely crushed his leg for Finland. Oh. Um, you know, was kind of handed a platter of, of uh, you know, dead fish or whatever um, by, by their scramble leg Ristamati Hakala who, um, you know, really underperformed was a minute 47 out. And, and I had, a, I did have a little, chat about this with with some of the Finnish media who said um you know he apparently had a whole bunch of injuries like he had a broken toe at the beginning of the season and he crashed in Ruka and like broke some ribs and then he was sick for like 10 days before the Olympics and like didn't come here with the team and so it, it you know kind of it, I think sounds like he clearly did not necessarily have like the the horsepower that he needed to really be thrown into that role and then you know i think got to the end and just uh, collapsed and basically i think told the finnish media that it was one of the most terrible experiences of his entire life and that he you know let down the whole team which you know he did but also it's like they threw him in that role so i don't know you know kind of a little bit of a bummer to see finland like not competitive in this race knowing you know just that that they could have been and and the way and you know and this really kind of skied them back into contention until um Pertz- oh, Pertz- yeah. Pertz- you know kind of just took them back out of contention again so you know just a little bit of a, a little bit of a bummer to see that happen and then talk, um talk. Yes, totally. And
1: I, I mean, like, well, I'll, I'll just jump right in on that. Like it, it, I had Finland out, out there. I, I thought, well, you remember when Alex and I were chatting, like we both thought France would take the bronze and they did. But I had Finland way up there. And then when I saw Pirktu like crushing, he's been sixth and seventh in the two distance races at the at these Olympics skiing like a god. And then Hakula, I didn't know those injury stories. So that, that's 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 interesting to follow along. But when Hakala loses a minute 48, you're like, well, this is over. Like, this is so over. And Ivo Niskanen throws down a legendary leg. Like, you're underselling it. Like, how he brought them back into contention in the way he did in only 10 kilometers alone, in the wind, in the snow. Uh, it was almost a bigger performance by Niskanen than his Olympic win by 23 seconds only a few days ago. Like, it was crazy go town like bananas that he was able to do that. And then when Hirvonen came out for that, that third leg, I'm like, oh, well, here we go. This is perfect. Like Johnny Mackey was fourth in the sprint. He's in good shape. Like, we're going to have a great race. And after three minutes, he's game over, dude. Like, he's like peg-legging out there and just shattered. And I, I feel bad for Finland. I feel bad for Evo, who had just phenomenal leg and had two guys that didn't just underperform, but just completely came unglued like completely and left them with no chance. And the other thing, that's probably where you're going to go next. So I'm just going to beat you to it. A really tough day for the North Americans. And I, I said it earlier in some of these earlier podcasts and stuff. Luckily, the U.S. and Canadians, these guys are young. And this is a, this is a steep price to pay. You know, this education they're getting, it stings. Because there was a lot of positives. You, you have Gus Schumacher, who's a world junior champion. He's raced top 10 dude in the World Cup already in his career. And he's seen guys like Porama put put great race after great race together. There's a lot of other young, exciting athletes in these Olympics that are putting together good races. And Gus Schumacher is not able to put these together. And the American relay was just a train wreck, but not nearly as much of a train wreck as the Canadian relay where all these guys are losing over two minutes in their leg. You have four guys that are losing over two minutes in a 10 K each and every one of them. And in the end, they're over 10 minutes adrift, And they're like, they almost get lapped in this thing. And the laps are 3.3 kilometers. And I really feel for the guys. And the only thing I can say to them is like, you're young. You can't forget how talented and how promising your future is, but for the leadership that are behind them, they got these guys ready with the guys themselves. You have to not, now's not the time. So hopefully you're not listening to me right now, but in the spring, you've got to look through this and be like, how did, did we not only underperform, but how did we miss our goal so spectacularly? And that's what we've done. Like I've done that in my career. I mean, like we talked about Sochi, we were so horrendously bad. So I get it. I know how it feels to go to a championship thinking you did things right. And then just have everything go wrong. But in Sochi, we had, we could blame a lot on the equipment and here it's just been stable waxing. And these bodies are just not ready for the altitude and they're not ready for battle in North America on the men's side and the women for both the U S and the men, sorry, sorry for the U S and Canada on the women's side are ready. They are putting forth like solid performances, Jesse's individual medal, uh, a number of women on the Canadian side are having like career best performances and, and seasons, best performances. So uh, it, it has been working there, but, but for the Americans and the Canadians on the men's side, like it, it, to say it disappointing is an understatement. These guys are underperforming and they're just not ready. They're not ready for these Olympics. And, and it breaks my heart.
0: Well, you know, I actually have a question about that, which, you know, I, I didn't have a lot to say actually, and I was going to go in another direction that I'm still going to go, but I, um, one thing I'm wondering about is, I mean, we've made so much about the altitude preparation. And, you know, I know the U.S. had an altitude camp in Lavino. Most of them did before coming over here. But, you know, I mean, I think the whole like question around altitude preparation for those championships has been around sort of multi-year. And I know that, I mean, most of these American dudes anyway, if not the women, like they didn't know if they were coming to the Olympics for for you know until we're like six weeks out or two weeks out and and uh, you know so I think you know you might more know more than I do but I, I mean I think in fairness like the nature of these teams right now is that like they don't have the depth to invest that kind of energy money effort into preparation for a championships in the way that these other countries do. And I imagine that that's got to be a significant factor that I think, you know, I might be inclined to cut a little slack for that. I I think, you know, I I don't know enough about sort of how much of a variable that is and sort of what other other ways they could have kind of compensated for that but I you know but I and then and then beyond that I think it's like as a journalist I'm not going to kind of cast judgment on the on the performances I don't know if you have anything to add I do have one other just yeah yeah before you yeah yeah yeah.
1: yeah, before you add to that relay I'll 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 piggyback on that if it sounds like I'm being like super critical I hope I hope it I hope it's not coming across like that because I agree with you like man I agree with you it's it's uh if you're young, if you're in your early twenties, like you, you, you don't have the chance to put together like three perfect years with putting 80 to hundred days of altitude in leading up to a championship. Then you have to qualify. And, and a lot of these guys like Luke Jaeger or, or even Antoine Sear before this year, before his 11th place in, in Ruka, like it was going to be like a huge goal just to make the Olympics, right? Like he doesn't have he doesn't have a long list of medals at world juniors or, or under 23s. He doesn't even have like top fives at under 23s and stuff. And so it's, it's a great result just to, to get to the championship. But all I'm saying is something's happened where they got to the championship and there's a lot of variables. Of course there is, there's nerves, you're in Asia, it's at high uh, altitude. Uh, it, it's a lot of energy expenditure just to make an Olympic team for your country, especially the first time, all these, a lot of these guys, first time Olympians. So there's, there's a lot of factors that are playing into this, but there's also a lot of factors playing into all these other nations as well, right? Like Poroma is young too, and hasn't put forth like five years of altitude training either, but he's here and he's ready. And I, I just, I just feel bad for the guys, both the Canadians and the men that for whatever reason, they're not ready. And when you're not ready in an environment that is so severe, like Beijing, your competition is exploiting those weaknesses and we're seeing races that not only are you just like ah you're a little off at these big championships those weaknesses get exploited and then magnified and then amplified to like a factor of 10 and that's when you're seeing a guy like a world junior champion in gus just getting the doors blown off him or even like remy who was fourth at world juniors getting lapped in the skiathlon tony uh, antoine sear like we talked about who who eleventh and twelfth in Ruka earlier this year, like not able to crack the top thirty when there's only four per nation starting in the fifteen k classic in, in in fair conditions. So it, I just really feel for them. So if if it comes out that I'm being critical, I, I apologize in advance and I'll have to watch myself because that that's not my meaning. I'm super impressed with these guys. They're huge talent. The future is bright, but this is a this is a tough learning pill they're having to swallow, and I feel bad for them because I've been in that before and it, it sucks and it's hard. But uh, hard conversations need to happen in the spring because you just you can make mistakes like this when you're young here and there or not even mistakes. You can just miss your miss your mark. You can you miss the target that you're afforded that when you're young. But if you start missing the target championship after championship after championship, uh, you know, you're going to lose some of these big talents because they're going to lose motivation and they're going to quit early. And then you're going to have to try and rebuild it all again. And I don't want to see that with such a great group of guys for the US and Canada. So they're better than this. That's what I'm saying.
0: Um, no, and and uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's all le- legit podcasting material. The the one other I, I hate to do this because it's like we've been doing this four days in a row, and and I'm ready to like go get some dinner at a reasonable hour and not be working till eleven o'clock. But I but you know this is the the podcast is for going on, and I'm gonna go on here, which is um China. Um, they did not, you know, they got lapped, they got pulled, but they were um they were in this. In this race, for a little while, with these sort of second-tier nations like China's scramble leg beat Luke Jagger in this race, and and like I think there's just kind of an amazing story quietly playing out here, and we've we've talked about it a little bit, and actually, faster skier has a freelancer, Pasha Khan, who's done some really quite remarkable, like very well done in-depth coverage of the way that China has built up this team. But, um, you know, uh, China got, China got lapped, they got pulled, but, you know, they were sort of in there on that first lap and, and, you know, they beat two second tier ski nations in Slovenia and Estonia. They've invested literally tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars in this program. And they, you know, in the space of basically four years, they have created a, you know, they've built themselves up into I think legitimately a a kind of second tier ski nation. And I I just think, you know, it's super interesting. Like you can read about the way that they did that with, you know, hiring a whole bunch of like Norwegian and Finnish coaches, like Ole Einar Björndal has been over here, Vahur, who we had on the podcast has been over here. And I just, you know, I think most North American ski fans, we haven't really talked about it on the podcast. And I think that like um, the just sort of the magnitude and significance of that is like underappreciated and it, it was kind of fun to watch them out. You're like, you know they were they were semi-competitive. There was a, there was a big crowd and, and they had they were like banging some uh really loud drums and cymbals and you know it's just like it's kind of a cool thing to have another country just like all of a sudden they're here and they've kind of arrived and you know they're not norway they're not sweden they're not even germany uh but they you know they beat the united states which i think you know a lot like people listening to this podcast consider the united states you know they beat the united states in one leg but still you know i think we consider the u.s to be a pretty viable ski nation so just just sort of an an interesting detail that i felt like was going to get overlooked
1: yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's not just that, dude. Like for three legs, they were right in the group with Canada, man. And did you know what? Some of the guys on this relay that were skiing with Tony, that's ski like and and uh our, our guys, like Olivier and stuff, they 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 had not learned to ski in 2019. I was sitting in the studio here in Norway with Toran Hetland, who was one of the Norwegians that the Chinese like hired and had a training group that he was in charge of up in Medokit. And he had athletes that he knew that were on this, this relay team that could not stand on skis. And now they're skiing with guys that have been in the points on the world cup. And in, in Tony's, in the case of uh, Antoine seer who's been top 15. So what I think is super sad and almost tragic is like they've come so far in such a short time, but is China just going to throw all this away after their Olympics are over? And I, I'm afraid they're going to. And I think that is really too bad for a sport that we need. We need all the help we can get. Cross country needs needs nations to get better, and they need them to get better fast because right now it's just because it's. Uh, it's become a two horse race for the last number of years and it's just killing the interest men's distance skiing is eroding into like a foregone conclusion and that's never fun in sport so it would be awesome if china could keep up the momentum and i'm worried that they won't right i would put a lot of money that they won't and it's too bad because some of these athletes have come an insanely long way in an insanely short time and if they could just do this for eight more years man we could have another no you're right they're not going to be norway they're not going to be russia but we could have another country in the game that when they're on form could be like we were in Canada, a number of medals here and there on the World Cup or, or uh, competing in the top 10 in both genders uh, at the championship. And you know as well as I do, Nat, how how if you're top 10, man, this a lot of things can happen. Weird things happen, but you have to be close enough to take advantage of those weird things. <laughs>
0: No, no doubt. And and yeah, I mean, it is it's is, uh, it's it just being over here and sort of seeing the investment that China has put into this sport. It's like it's it's it floors you. And I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it definitely is a question. But I also I mean, like, no offense, I, I don't think either of us has anywhere close to enough knowledge of Chinese politics and kind of the dynamics of that and sport and whatever here to really, you know, I mean, who knows, like maybe, I mean, it, it's an immense amount of money, but at the same time, China is a gigantic country. And like, you know, maybe they're just like, yeah, this is an afterthought and it's cool and, and we we'll keep doing it. So I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting question. And um, the other thing I would just say is, you know, um, th- this whole enterprise just proves um, there, there's hope for me. I could still, um, I could still be on a world cup podium or at least you know make make the sprint heats you know so um that's one reason to keep keep the keep the train rolling
1: yeah yeah and i hope they do i really i really do hope they do because the they had unrealistic expectations china had unrealistic expectations for these olympics they wanted medals for these guys things have been floated around where they said like we want to sweep the podium in the women's 30k it's like it's not going to happen dude Like not even close, not even, this is like completely bonkers. But I think if you're looking at it rationally, like I just said, if you have guys that three, four years ago had never stood on cross-country skis, competing with Canada's best and competing with America's best. It's an astonishing accomplishment. It's an astonishing accomplishment and it it leaves a lot to be desired. And I hope they continue with it because I'm telling you, man, cross-country skiing needs this. Like they just need it. Like again, not to not to harp on the obvious, but like I wish we should almost start like a bathlon podcast because like I'm seeing so many different flags all over the top thirty. It's a better product. It's produced better. They can have World Cups. It's more exciting. And and cross country skiing needs to compete with these other winter sports. And to do so, we need to have more diversity in the field and not just diversity on the start list, but diversity in the actual races themselves. And and the race is when I, to quantify that, to me, it's like top 10. If you're top 10 in individual World Cups, this is, you are showing like a true, like mastery level, like elite level in sport. And to get another country up into that upper echelon of the sport uh, for the men's side would just be like a dream come true for a, a Nordork like me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, it, it's, it's it's already an awesome story and it, it you know, could be even better. So should we, should we leave it there?
1: Yeah, let's leave it there. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. I, Nat, thank you so much, man, for taking the time. Like I, I, I noticed that like, uh, it's uh, the Olympics is a grind, man. Like even for like me, who's just like in Norway trying to study and, and uh, being a dad and stuff. And you're over there uh, kicking some butt. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time. And I really appreciate all the listener questions. I know you do too, Nat. It's, it's fun to hear the engagement and yeah, I think our listenership might even be over twenty now. So that, that's a uh, that's a real uh, that's yeah, a real bonus. The, the,
0: your mom, my mom, Alex, uh, your wife, and like may, maybe like Klebo's uh, listening. I don't know. Well, uh, Klebo's <laughs> not listening,
1: but you know what? Bill McKibben, who is a New Yorker contributor, is listening, and that just that's the only one I care about. Like the fact that like a New Yorker contributor is listening to a cross country skiing podcast that's like, uh, there's nothing more that, you know, we can, we can stay under 20. It's okay. If we have 18 listeners, it's totally fine with me.
0: (laughs) Totally. Yeah. He, he could be in our audience of one. So, um, cool. Well, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll be, we'll be back, uh, Wednesday after I catch up on sleep and you catch up on, uh, medical studies.
1: Yeah. Oh God. I got to go back to like alpha, alpha beta and gamma tubulin and like all the motor proteins and stuff. So uh i'm not looking forward to that but it'll be fun to have a couple days to try and pretend i can catch up again and uh we'll see you wednesday for the team sprints lots of fun stories there who's norway gonna put for the men's who's norway gonna put for the women's will the norwegian men be able to challenge a a russia who's just on complete fire lots of great storylines for the team sprint like we've talked about before with relays and team sprint relays i'm a Very negative to them on the World Cup and very positive for them on the championship. So there will be a lot of drama midweek. Look forward to it.
0: Thanks for sticking with us. We'll be back.